Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome episode of, or one might say, amazing and spectacular episode of the Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Matt Levy, and I am joined by the web slinger himself, Mike Staub. How you doing, Mike? I am feeling sensational today, and I'm also feeling unlimited and ultimate and web of. Hmm. I think we're missing uh, a couple, but I think those, we're pretty some good. Those, <laughs> some of those didn't work. Maybe friendly neighborhood. I, but yeah, we're talking about the uh, the the Spider-Man today, huh? Here we are talking Spider-Man. about the Spider-Man. I'm Matt Levy. I'm joined with my amazing friend, Mike Staub, to talk about Spider-Man and his, I'd say, not amazing games. I'd say Spider-Man and his mostly mediocre games. Spider-Man games are mediocre to bad for the most part. Uh, they, we really saw a nice turn, upturn since 2018. But in general, Spider-Man games have been lackluster to mediocre to like border, borderline good. Borderline good. Now, obviously, we're in a spot right now with Spider-Man games where they are incredible, especially Insomniac's 2018 masterpiece, Spider-Man or Marvel's Spider-Man. And we are on the heels while recording this of an announcement made last week where Insomniac is working on a sequel to Spider-Man, which is just going to be called Spider-Man 2, which is going to confuse people because there was a Spider-Man 2 game back in 2004 that people really, really like that is definitely inspired bits of the Insomniac series. And the Spider-Man 2 game that's coming out in 2023, it looks like you get to split time, I would assume. Split time between Miles Morales and Peter Parker as as, as their, their respective Spider-Man. It looks like both of them do work together a bit. And you're hit with a wonderful voiceover that you don't see your villain, really. Because everyone who's watched the trailer goes, oh, man, the villain's Venom. Uh-uh, no way. No, 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 no. If you listen to the dialogue in that trailer and you're a Spider-Man fan, you will see and you will hear that the villain is the main villain is most likely Craven the Hunter and Venom is probably going to have something to do with it. And I don't think it's going to be Venom as in Spider-Man fighting Venom unless that happens at the very end of the game. I think that Peter Parker in this game will be getting the symbiote and fighting Craven because the symbiote could be Craven, and then they might do some sort of Craven's Last Hunt type type stuff. But we can we're not here for speculation, Matt. We're here to talk about Spider-Man games as a sort of retrospective, like we've done with Zelda. Yeah, we we thought it was time, Mike. You are a uber Spider-Man fan, and I've quietly become quite the Spider-Man fan. And I think it's more than I've realized over the years. So let's before we talk about, like you said, the masterpiece, the greatness that is Marvel Spider-Man from 2018. Let's go back. Let's jump in the time machine and go back to a time where Spider-Man games are really bad, like you said, because there's about 60 to 70 Spider-Man games out there. And I'd say 40 to 50 of them are hard to play. So I thought maybe we could focus on some of the games today over the last 20 years that were more playable. So Mike, uh, I know one of them that you want to talk about was on the Super Nintendo. That was a, a pretty fun game. Oh, I did? What, Maximum Carnage? Is that what I wanted to talk about? Yeah, Maximum Carnage is a whole lot of mediocre. 
but I liked it because I was a child when I got it. And it had this ridiculous music by the band Green Jello. And they used the samples and stuff. And they put this Green Jello music of Three Little Pigs fame, Green Jello. And what I like about Maximum Carnage is that one, for me, it was one of the first Spider-Man games I think I remember playing on a home console. And I loved it because I loved beat 'em ups at that point in time. I realize now that the game is not very good and it's definitely trying to mimic what Sega had done in the arcade, I think a year or so earlier with the amazing Spider-Man, the arcade game, which I think is actually a quite good arcade game that you really can't find in many places. It's also took me forever to try to get that to run on MAME. I don't know why, but I've played it a lot. So that was the closest thing for that game to be played at home was uh, Spider-Man Event on Maximum Carnage. And I remember getting it for Christmas that year. It came in a, a red cartridge and it was beautiful. And ultimately, over the years, when I was eight years old, I thought Carnage and Venom were the coolest. So being able to play as Venom uh, in a game was really cool at the time, especially because Venom was kind of like this new anti-hero. after he was a pretty hardcore Spider-Man villain for a few years. They turned him into an anti-hero. So it was cool to like check out the different move sets and do all this stuff as Venom and and uh, smash the ground and walk around with his tongue hanging out and all that stuff. And that's cool if you're like eight. And uh, later on, you realize that Venom and Carnage, don't tell anyone I said this, aren't that interesting. Aren't that interesting. Spider-Man has way better villains out there. I think that Venom and Carnage look cool, which is why they get top billing so frequently. I think they're very indicative of the era that in which they were created. I watched the trailer for Venom and Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, and, and kind of roll my eyes at it because I'm sick of it. And I'm just not that into those characters anymore. But I will say this, when my band performed with Green Jello uh, a few years ago, I got the singer of Green Jello and like the guy who wrote all the music and all the puppets and all that stuff to uh, actually sign my copy of Maximum Carnage. So that's kind of cool. So that's the best part of that game is the fact that you got it, got it signed. You're right, Mike. This was from, I think, a simpler time. And Spider-Man games at the time were, were inept. They weren't very good. So that game was... Almost playable as a kid. It was fun, but I agree with you. Not very good. The first game that I think we remember being sort of okay was the Spider-Man game on the N64, PlayStation 1, and Dreamcast. It was just called Spider-Man that came out in 2000. Do you recall that game? Yeah, I actually bought it the day it came out because it was a timed exclusive, I think, on PlayStation. So I got it on PlayStation in 2000, the summer of 2000. It was at the very end of the summer, I think it came out. And I played it like I beat that game in like a day and a half. I got all the little comic books. You had to collect all the comic books. I got all the different costumes. I got all like the special figures and stuff that they had and got everything. So by the end, I was playing as like Cosmic Spider-Man and he couldn't he couldn't take damage and he didn't run out of webs and he did all this crazy stuff. But it was one of the first times where they were like, hey, Spider-Man's about mobility and locomotion, not necessarily about stopping to fight people. So this was one of the first games where they were like, we have to focus. And this was Activision and Neversoft. And like, it's like the Tony Hawk team. Like the yeah, people this who are making when Tony Hawk's. The marriage between Spider-Man and Activision started. You'll see it ran for over a decade. I mean, this ran till up until Insomniac took over. So this was, they had a dozen or so games and this was the first of them. And there was a sequel to it, which wasn't very good. But this one, like you said, you were up on top of skyscrapers for most of the game. You couldn't go down to the streets. And then it brought you inside very small 
rooms when you're inside. But I think it was nice, like you said, the mobility of it. But going back, this game is janky today. Oh, it's real janky. They they have they have fists that don't open. They have mouths that don't move when they talk. And there's a lot of dialogue. But they did get the some of the voice talent from the 90s Spider-Man cartoon to do work on this one. So a lot of it, it's pretty it's pretty similar to the 90s cartoon, except that Spider-Man's actually allowed to punch things in this game, unlike the 90s cartoon where he you weren't allowed to show anyone getting punched. So it's a good game. It was a good game. It did have a sequel, which was PlayStation only, which was called Enter Electro. Yep. Famously, that game was delayed because they had to redo all the backgrounds because of uh, September 11th, unfortunately. And by the time it came out, we had basically gotten Spider-Man the movie. And, yes. and that game was Spider-Man the movie plus the sequel were big time games. That's where yeah. I think it really took Spider-Man to the next level as far as combat, interaction, really feeling like Spider-Man. I feel like for the first time. Yeah, it's the first Spider-Man movie game was, was good. It felt like the, the other Spider-Man games that were released by Activision previously. It did feel like it was in that vein. This is a PlayStation 2 game, 2002, when the movie came out. And like every movie-based video game, when, it, when you're having stuff with like a superhero, any tie-in like that, they always have to add stuff because the movie only has the one villain. So you have to add stuff that you make it more interesting for the character, make it more interesting for the player. You also got to pad it to a six to eight hour game instead of just a two hour movie. So you need exactly. to give something to it. Yeah, so you have to put stuff like the vulture in there and whatnot. I forget what else they added for the movie game, but I thought, I remember the first movie game being pretty good and enjoying it. It's The problem is though, is that like, you got to create the movie game before the movie comes out. So then you go ahead and spoil yourself for the movie, which is which is bad, right? Which is bad. And I had this game. I got this game because I was so ready for that movie. And that movie at that point in time was so good. I still think the first Spider-Man movie is also, also And they had the likeness, good. I believe, of Tobey Maguire and the characters. So you had the likenesses of the movie people. You had the likenesses. You had Tobey Maguire's deadpan, dead fish delivery. And uh, you got to do some cool stuff like chase down the burglar, fight in the boxing match against Bonesaw McGraw. Or I might have been Ho Ho Crusher Hogan. Might yeah, I have been. They villain. might not have the rights for that. That I don't recall. I, I don't think they put in Bonesaw McGraw. It might have just been Crusher Hogan in that one, like the one from the comic book. Right. And it was a fun game, but then they released Spider-Man 2. And Spider-Man 2 in 2004 released as a few a few weeks after or before the movie. And once again, you get in that spoiler territory where it's like, hey, the, the movie's getting spoiled in this, but whatever. It's a quick game, but it was definitely based around and inspired by the boom of the Grand Theft Auto style open world, open city action game. Because this game definitely takes a lot of cues from Grand Theft Auto. Now, it is not a long game at all. It's also a very short game. Spider-Man 2 on the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox, you're going to be, you're going to remember it better than it was. Now, granted, the web slinging was great. The locomotion was great. Spider-Man moved amazingly well, but this game is short. Like, I think this game is like, I think I beat it in like a day and a half or two days. Like, I think I flew through it. And especially if you're just playing the story missions, you're going to fly through this game but not in a good way necessarily because it's almost yeah. too quick. Yeah, these games were a weekend. They were rental. These were not yeah. deep, long experiences like we expect today. And that's like you said, 
they're movie tie-ins. They flushed yeah. out a little more, but not much. It wasn't until Future Games, Spider-Man 3, notoriously, people remember that game as being pretty bad. But what's ironic is we got a version on the, at that time, next-gen consoles, 360, yeah. PS3. They were bad. The better version of it was actually on past-gen, PS2 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the Wii got a much superior version of Spider-Man 3. And that game actually had side quests and, and things to find and collectibles that that was like a 10 to 12 hour game. It actually had some depth to it. It did. It did. And that's one of those movie games that, like you said, it's remembered poorly, but it did have some more depth to it where Spider-Man 2 kind of got all the motion, right? Spider-Man 2 felt good, but you're spending most of your time delivering pizzas and catching balloons that kids dropped. And it's like, you could have come up with more side quests to do. You could have come up with more side missions instead of just, hey, well, another kid lost a balloon or somebody's got to get some pizza. It's like, all right, at some point it gets like, I've been doing this a hundred times. This game is only like five hours long to begin with. And you play through the story and you spoil the movie for yourself. But it's still, it's what set us up for where we are now with Spider-Man. I don't think we would have the 2018 spider-man insomniac game if it weren't for spider-man 2 no and and around that time mike we got other offbeat games like the ultimate spider-man game which took a completely different approach with this cartoon animated type aesthetic and then activision started after that going into some new ideas they finally left the movies because obviously spider-man 4 didn't happen we didn't get to Tobey Maguire future future films no so we started getting Activision taking some popular comic book storylines and giving us games such as Edge of Time, Web of Shadows, and Shattered Dimensions. Do you remember any of those fondly, Mike? I do. But before we before I get into that, I just want to say thank goodness we didn't get Spider-Man 4, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 4. Spider-Man 3 was bad in, as a film. I think there's a lot of good in that movie, but... It's clearly a lot of studio choices. And one of the major problems in Spider-Man 3, the movie, is a problem I brought up earlier in the show. Venom. Venom did not need to be in that movie. You could have given Spider-Man... All right, let me just say, tell you this for a second. Just Sandman and Hobgoblin alone is enough. Sandman and, and whatever they called him in that movie, New right. Goblin. Yeah. Harry Osborn as the New Goblin was fine. That was good. They shoehorned Venom in there because people wanted to see Venom. Here's, here's the thing. Spider-Man needs to spend time with the symbiote suit. We don't need to rush to Venom. If I'm in that production meeting, if I'm with Kevin Feige right now, working on Spider-Man movies with Sony and Disney, and you're like, we want to get to Venom, I'm going to say this. This is what you're going to do. You're going to have Spider-Man do something so that he gets the symbiote. He wears the symbiote for an entire movie. And then at the beginning of the next movie, he gets rid of it. And then Eddie Brock gets it. The fact that we have Venom movies right now without Spider-Man being a part of it is stupid because where do we, why is he a spider? He like Venom's powers are spider-based. He gets them from Spider-Man. Like that's the reason why the symbiote, ha- I mean, they probably changed it now with all the symbiote comic book stuff, but originally like it gets spider powers because it was bonded to Spider-Man. It was trying to bond to Spider-Man. It hates Spider-Man be- it, because Spider-Man rejected it. So like, it's it's a shame. It just it just it just Mike, really bugs me. We very fondly remember in Spider-Man three, the time that Spider-Man spent with the symbiote suit. He was busy dancing, and hitting on girls. And this is how we remember his time as symbiote 
as the black suit Spider-Man. Is, I, hate uh, I hate it. I hate it so much. And like the symbiote suit or the black suit Spider-Man is like my favorite of the variant Spider-Man so costumes. Cool. It looks so good. Like I used to buy Venom t-shirts and just say, no, they're, they're black costume Spider-Man t-shirts. They're not Venom t-shirts. Excuse me. Excuse me. I love that variant. And that's why, that's why also with the imagery, that's very important for Craven. Because when Craven buries Spider-Man, Spider-Man is wearing the black costume Spider-Man suit at that point in time. And then Craven wears it and goes out as Spider-Man, which is why I think in that in that trailer at the end of it, they don't show you a Venom logo. They show you a black and white Spider-Man logo, which is why I think Peter Parker is going to get the symbiote suit first. But we're going to go into that at <laughs> point in time. We're supposed to be talking about Spider-Man games. Spider-Man 4, if you looked into what the movie was, it was going to be the Vulture. John Malkovich has the Vulture. Yeah, all in. Then you've got Anne Hathaway as... Felicia Hardy. Black hat. Okay, cool. She played Selena Kyle later. I could buy this. I'm cool. Anne Hathaway is a good actress. Let's see where this goes. But she wasn't playing Black Cat. Felicia Hardy was going to be a character known as the, excuse me for a second, Vultress, as in like a vulture sidekick. That's so dumb. I kind of want to erase the whole trilogy. So thank goodness that didn't happen. Now we got two mediocre to bad Andrew Garfield based Spider-Man movies with a lizard that had no snout. Jamie Foxx playing Itsy Bitsy Spider on some like power plant reactors. Both of those movies, I have a soft spot in my heart for the first Amazing Spider-Man movie. I think they were trying some stuff. I do like Andrew Garfield in that movie in the Spider-Man costume. I think he's great as he's Spider-Man. I think he's a little too cool for Peter Parker. I love Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy. Bring her back. Give me that Ghost Spider movie. I will watch that in a heartbeat. But Amazing Spider-Man 2 is so bad outside of Spider-Man's costume that... Yeah, you really needed to change up everything. And Tom Holland is like a gift from the heavens of like the perfect combination of everything to do with Spider-Man. My problem with the MCU ones, we're going off on a tangent here. I love Tom Holland and I think they work so well within the MCU, but I do not think they work well as Spider-Man movies on their own. I think, I, I think, I think Far From Home does. I think, I think the first one, Homecoming, that it's, it's a little too much Iron Man, but I think, I think you start to get a taste for what, you get out of it once you get to Far From Home. And I think that Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home are two of the best MCU, MCU movies that no one gives enough credit to. I, I think that they're, they're often kind of pushed towards the middle of the pack by a lot of people who review them because they're like, oh, well, we know the whole Spider-Man story before. It's like these movies are actually quite good. Michael Keaton as the, Fal as the Falcon, geez. Michael Keaton <laughs> as the Vulture is unreal. Like he's, he's terrific. That is the best twist, Hall. I think, in... Any MCU movie, no one saw that coming. It's like the only, I will, I'll give you this much. We're comic book fans, so it's a little different. There was an audible gasp from my wife when we saw Winter Soldier and Bucky took off the whole whole. Oh, mask see, I was not surprised by that whatsoever, but I feel like the average person might have been. Well, I normally would have accidentally told Amanda that in conversation, who's my wife, for those of you out there. Uh, I would have told her that in conversation because I just talk about comic books a lot. But I didn't. For some reason, I didn't. And when Bucky took off the mask and Cap goes, Bucky, and we had just rewatched Captain America like a few days before that, my, my wife like gasps. She was like, oh my gosh. And then you get the, the other twist where it's like Hydra has been, Shield has been Hydra the whole time. It's like, wow, this is good. It's like so good. But yeah, no, that twist with, with Michael Keaton being Liz Allen's father or Liz Toombs' father is so good and such a wonderful 
twist. And Michael Keaton is just so good as the vulture. And Jake Gyllenhaal is so good as Mysterio. He's great. He's so good. They took so one of good. the dumbest villains in Spider-Man history. <laughs> oh, he's made... a wonderful villain. He is great, Mysterio. But he's, but he's stupid. He wears oh, a fishbowl on his head. I love him. <laughs> I love him, but he looks real dumb. But they made it work. They yeah. made fishbowl Mysterio work, which is like, how the heck in a million years were you able to do that? Now, back to Shattered Dimensions. <laughs> so let's start start with Web of Shadows. What did you think? That was 2008. That was the first of those. Yeah, Web of Shadows is okay. I liked a lot of the lot of crossover characters they had in it. Like I think Wolverine like, was in it. Wolverine's in Luke it. Cage. Uh, Luke Cage is in it. Like but it's, just, these... but it's okay. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. After that, you have Shattered Shattered Dimensions, which I actually think is great. I love multiverse stuff, and I think it's awesome that you had four different Spider Mans because I don't say Spider Men. They're Spider Mans. They're each individual. So you have four different Spider-Mans trying to kind of keep their own reality together. I thought it was amazing that Activision, and I forget who the developer was. B, was B-Nox? It B, was it B-Nox? I think it I think was. it was B-Nox. The visual, the aesthetics of the four different dimensions were so cool where you got the noir one, which is very obviously got the black and white feel to it. And then they jumped over to like Spider-Man 2099, which gave it this, futuristic look yeah, to it. Yeah, with like that cyberpunk kind of feel. That was awesome. And then you got that super animated cel-shaded look on one of the other ones. And I just love the different aesthetics and the feel of each of the different Spider-Men. Each game had a different, each character had a different feel. And you got four different voice actors who had voiced Spider-Man in different cartoons to do the voices. Like you had Neil Patrick Harris voiced the regular Spider-Man because he did the Spider-Man cartoon on MTV. You had, I want to say his name is Josh Keaton. Josh Keaton, who did the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon, which I think is actually vastly underrated. It's a great cartoon. You should watch it. And you should watch it alongside Wolverine and the X-Men and Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Those three are all part of like a connected animated Marvel Universe that never fully happened. And they're great. All of them are good. You should watch all of them. He did the Ultimate Spider-Man version, who was in the symbiote costume, which is really cool. Then you had the 80s Spider-Man who was Spider-Man and his amazing friends in the 80s Spider-Man cartoon. I forget the actor's name, but he provided the voice for uh, Spider-Man 2099. And then you had the Spider-Man from the 90s cartoon. That voice actor provided the voice for Spider-Man Noir. Now he's no Nicolas Cage trying to figure out the Rubik's Cube. No one is Nicolas Cage, but Nicolas Cage. But Nicolas, well, he went full cage on that movie. And... And you have this this amazing voice cast. You have great villains for all of them. I think it's like Craven, and I forget who. I think it's is the is it the Kingpin that? Now we're testing my memory. It, yeah, was I know. Kingpin in there? Was Electro in there? I don't recall yeah, exactly. I, I think Sandman might have been for. Because remember the desert Sandy yes, type level. Yes, yes, yes. But I love that game. I thought Shadow Dimension was really strong. I really enjoyed it, even now, though it felt disjointed at times. It was it was nice. But that then they took a step back then to Edge of Time, which I which thought was a complete good. blunder. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as good. I think they focused on the things that they focused on some of the aspects that weren't as good from Shattered Dimensions to make a sequel. I think my only complaint about Shattered Dimensions is that it's too focused and does not give you the freedom. Like the locomotion isn't as good, but it's got some really cool aspects to it. The animation styles are great. more and, linear anytime. levels. Yeah, yeah it's much more linear. It gets away from those open world, which we were used to in previous games. So yeah, yeah. I, I do agree with that. And then Mike, it brought us to the movie tie-ins for Amazing Spider-Man games, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. The first Amazing Spider-Man game, I played it on the PC. 
Yeah. And then I could not even get through an hour of the second one. I thought it was unplayable. <laughs> first, first one's decent. Second one's bad. It's just uh, kind of how the movies ended up. Right. Uh, the first one is like the first Amazing Spider-Man movie is mediocre. It's, yeah. it's a mediocre movie. It does have a little bit of that MTV kind of sheen to it. It's it's not the best. I think we would have been much better. And I know this is a weird thing that I think would fix a lot of the movie. If you give the lizard a snout, man. If you gave him a snout, he wouldn't look as stupid. And I think it was a, it was it was tough. The only thing I love, there's two things I love about Amazing Spider-Man 2. And the first thing is his costume, because his costume is one of the best looking costumes in the series, possibly even better than the, the Tom Holland costumes and the rhino. I think Paul Giamatti chewing the scenery with his Boris and Natasha accent as the rhino is so good. But he like, is an Oscar I don't know if award or nominated actor. And here he is hamming it up with an accent. And I've loved it because it's, I feel like almost not believable that someone could be mutated or be a rhino, but yeah. this was perfect because he's in the suit. And I loved Garfield, he's, like you said, in the suit, just playing with him. Garfield in the suit messing with him is really good. There's some, there's some okay stuff in that movie. And the issue that you run into is that there are people that hate the rhino. Cause like, Oh, he's so dumb. I'm like, yes, yes, he is. Spider-Man has one of the best rogues galleries in comic books. It comes close to rivaling Batman's, but not quite. It's not quite there. A lot of Spider-Man villains are, are kind of dumb uh, because they are 60s, fun, hokey villains. They're a bunch of animal-themed bank robbers, essentially. But like because of that, when you're playing a Spider-Man villain, you have to figure out how to make them fun and how to understand to a degree that they're stupid. Like the shocker is a dumb villain, but yes. we love him. And there has to be a little bit of fun and campiness with it. Yes. Because some of these characters, when you try to take them too seriously, it just falls flat. They do not have the, the personality and the traits to make them. That's why we fall back on characters like Doc Ock and Craven because they're a little more human than some of these other ones. And Doc Ock is also stupid. Like <laughs> if you look at Doc Ock out of the comic books, like I love Dr. Octopus. I'm a Green Goblin fan, first and foremost. I think Green Goblin is my favorite Spider-Man villain. No, I, I know Green Goblin. Norman Osborn is my favorite Spider-Man villain. I think Norman Osborn is one of the best comic book villains of all time. I would put him right up there with the Joker and Magneto and Doctor Doom. I think Norman Osborn is number four on the list behind those three. I think the Joker's number one, maybe. I think Magneto's actually Magneto's number one. Right I think there. Magneto's probably the best villain of all time because Magneto is a villain where... There's plenty of times we read in the comic book. Oh, why am I kind of agreeing with Magneto? Um, Magneto does because he doesn't always seem as though he's the villain and he himself does not view himself as a villain, but he does terrible. He's terrible, not just evil for the things. sake of being evil. And that's what makes a more interesting character. I would add to your list Kingpin. I think Kingpin is a Kingpin, wonderful villain. I think if we're going to just throw the top, well, this, this episode's all over the place <laughs> and I love it. If we're going to go like top five video uh, comic book villains of all time, I think you've got Magneto, you've got the Joker, you've got Dr. Doom, because Dr. Doom is the ultimate, I'm not the villain. I'm just trying to, one, destroy Reed Richards, who has proven himself time and time again over the last 60 years, is a piece of garbage. Like, let's just be honest. Reed Richards is not a great human being all the time. He's not. Like, look at like... Forget it. We don't need to even talk about like civil war and all that stuff and all the stuff that he did to his family. Like, no, thanks. Mr. Invincible. Is that his name in, in, in venture brothers is like one of the best Steve Carell voices. I think it's, I think they're the invincibles and there's a fake fantastic four where like the human torch is the human matchstick 
And the thing is like the callus where he's just a big human callus. And the Reed Richards is like, I think it's Mr. Invincible and it's voiced by Steve Carell. And it's like one of the best versions of Mr. Fantastic because it's just like, oh, he's super smart and all this stuff, but he's also awful. Like he does these terrible things. So like Doom, Magneto, the Joker, because he's the Joker, but the Joker does, Joker is interesting because he does do a lot of things just for evil's sake, but he also does things because he thinks they're funny, which is what's kind of great about the Joker. Cause sometimes he doesn't, he does stuff that isn't evil because he finds it hilarious. And then, and then Kingpin, but Dr. Octopus is probably really vying for that top with, with the uh, Spider-Man villains. I think he's almost as good as Norman Osborn in some instances, He's better than Norman Osborn, especially if they do like what they did in 2018 Spider-Man game where they made him like Peter's mentor. And like he's the last guy to and Doc, you can't have a Sinister Six without Doc Ock. I would argue that I don't want Norman Osborn in the Sinister Six. He's not going to work with Octavius. No way. He's not taking orders from nobody. But Octavius is going to put together the group, which is why I'm so excited that Alfred Molina is back, even though my casting, if we were to recast Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus and have a new Dr. Octopus, my pick is Mark Hamill. So for Dr. Octopus. since we're already over, all over the place, what is your hype level for Spider-Man 3 this, this Christmas? As Vegeta says, <laughs> it's over 9,000! I thought the trailer left a lot to be desired, but I also think that's smart. I don't think they want to reveal everything just yet. I was ready for them not to give us a trailer. I was ready for them not to give Avengers Endgame style. That's what they did with Endgame. They basically said, you know enough. You know enough. There's rumors all over the internet. Let your brain run wild. I honestly hope we don't see Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield or Emma Stone or Kirsten Dunst or or Charlie Cox or Vincent D'Onofrio or, or Willem Dafoe for that matter. Or Willem yeah. Dafoe or Jamie Foxx or any of these people. I hope we don't see any of them in a trailer. I hope that the whole thought going into the movie is like Spider-Man is messing with the multiverse and there's two Spider-Man living at the same time and it's all crazy and everything's gone haywire and we see Doctor uh, Doctor Strange and, and just a little taste. They had to give you the pumpkin bomb. They had to give you Doc Ock because they got to let you know that they're coming. Something's coming back. Yep. And Alfred Molina, arguably from the best Spider-Man movie, sure. arguably the best Spider-Man villain in the movies, chef's kiss. I, I'm very excited. So Mike, I'm going to take my fishing rod here. And I'm going to wind it up. I'm going to throw it out. And I'm going to wheel us back into 2018's Marvel Spider-Man Insomniac Games. Now, Mike, this was the first licensed game Insomniac Games has done. What do you? What do people most know them from prior to Spider-Man? All right. So Insomniac's been around for, I want to say now, probably about 25 years. Rough, go, rough, rough estimate, about 25 years, maybe a little bit less. Uh, Insomniac really hit the ground running with the first three Spyro games for the PlayStation. So they did Spyro and then it was like uh, Spyro Ripto's Rage or something like that. And then they did, or some of the things Revenge and then Spyro, I forget, I, whatever. Spyro. Spyro. Yep. They did the first three Spyro games, which are excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent games. I actually think they're better than Crash Bandicoot. I think they're the closest you get to Mario 64 on the PlayStation. Actually, I think that Insomniac is better than Naughty Dog at every step in the process. I yeah. think the only time that Insomniac was overshadowed by Naughty Dog was when Insomniac was doing Resistance and Naughty Dog was doing Uncharted. I think that's the only time that, that Insomniac was kind of eclipsed. But they started out with Spyro. 
Then they move over to one of my favorite series of all time, Ratchet and Clank, which is, I think, better than Jack and Daxter. And, and then after they do Ratchet and Clank, they do Resistance, which was like a very PS3 series. Really, as always with, with Insomniac, really great weapons. Really cool, unique, interesting weapons. But it's weird to have a team and that's so kind of goofy make a game that's so kind of serious. And I feel of- like there was like pressure at that point to create a Call of Duty Battlefield army type game because that's what was exciting. And they wanted to see something realistic that showed off the PS3 graphics. But I agree yep. with you. I feel like they're more comfortable making mascot, fun characters, colorful worlds. And this was totally out of their comfort zone. I agree fully. I think that Resistance, like you said, probably had their arm twisted. Sony was probably like, listen, dudes, we need a killer app to launch the PS3 or, or it's going to flop hard. And Resistance was good. It was a good game, but it just didn't have that insomniac feel to outside of the weapons and the radial menu. And then after they do that, they make some more Ratchet and Clank games for the PS3. And I think the Ratchet and Clank games on the PS3 are actually very good. The my one complaint about Ratchet and Clank is it's a similar complaint to what I would have about Mega Man, which are two of my favorite series. All the games kind of feel like they're the same. That's fine. I eat tacos every Wednesday night. You know what I mean? So it's like, whatever. It's the way it goes. Or I'll have so, pizza every Friday night. Not Taco Tuesdays. It's Taco Wednesday at the Staub home. Let me tell you this right now. <laughs> tacos are for any day. And I, while I do love alliteration... Sometimes you got to mix it up, man. See, what we're learning here on the Hall of Fame pod is Mike has his isms and the snout missing from Lizard is obviously one of them. Snout missing from Lizard. We know pink haired uh, Link is, is definitely one of them. Hold on a second. Pink, Ga- pink Ganon is definitely, and Pig Ganon right. is one of them. Yeah, Pink, like, listen, guys, just if you really need to know what makes me tick, just go back to A Link to the Past and be like, you know what? That's really when Zelda was firing on all cylinders. Pink-haired Link, blue pig Ganon, that's where it's at. I like monsters, dude. I like I like fighting a big monster. I think it's fun. But I agree with you. I think if it's a genre you love and a series you love and it's more of the same and they don't have to change much if it's a winning formula, I agree. Ratchet and Clank was a winning formula, but then they took a big change making an Xbox exclusive in Sunset weird. Overdrive. Weird, weird, weird. I remember seeing Sunset Overdrive was an open world traversal based action game for the Xbox One. It was so weird and such an interesting turn for Insomniac, but I really thought the game was pretty good. I thought it was a little limited. I got a little bored of it by the end, but I did enjoy it. It does have a lot of that it's got a kind of 2003 extreme feel to it, which was kind of dead by the time this game had come out. But I did have a lot of fun playing it. And I think without Sunset Overdrive, I don't think Insomniac is thrown the keys to make Spider-Man. I think in this in that instance, I think you would have gotten a Naughty Dog Spider-Man game, which would have been probably not nearly as good and Insomniac with the 2018 Spider-Man game, I mean, they showed us who they were, right? Yeah. They were like, guys, we could do this and we're going to do it real good. Well, I think they showed that they deserve the keys to Spider-Man and Activision, who is a big dev publisher out there. They were given, they gave they basically lost their yeah. Sony. They lost their Spider-Man rights. Sony said, hey, we want, we want to make it ourselves. And Sony's always been obviously very close with Marvel and Spider-Man. It's kind of their their character and insomniac games was the right person at the right time to come along to make marvel spider-man 2018 now what are the things you love about this game mike we'd like to say before that i think that it would have been sensible 
for Sony to have given this to Sucker Punch because it's like, all right, you made Infamous and you made Infamous 2. These are superhero games. They use a superhero thing, but they were working on one of the best games of last year, Ghost of Tsushima at that time. So why would you not then go, hey, let's see what Insomniac can do. Spider-Man has a bunch of weird items. Spider-Man has a bunch of weird gadgets and weapons. Maybe they can make it work. And they did. But I don't think it's that Sony approached Insomniac. Insomniac actually went up to Sony and said, oh, okay. we want to make a Marvel game. And they said, we want to make a Spider-Man game. So it was, it was Insomniac saying, this is what we want to make. And, and Sony being like, all right, let's do it. Let's, let's give it a shot. I, then all the, all the respect to Insomniac for doing that. That takes a, a, um, that takes a whole lot of chutzpah, as we would say, on Long Island. <laughs> but to do something like that and to go to a major publisher or production company and say, hey, we can make a Spider-Man game better than every other Spider-Man game. And what do I like about this game? Everything. Voice acting's on par. Visuals are unbelievable. This game runs so well at 60 frames a second on the PS5. It ran really well at 30 frames a second on the PS4. It's got everything I want in a Spider-Man game, which is like 5 million costumes that I could change up as I see fit. Spider-Man has a bunch of wacky abilities that is very much Insomniac's kind of uh, flair to it, which is beautiful. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this, and I've been reading Spider-Man comic books since I was six years old, maybe even younger. This is the best Spider-Man story from the movies, from the comic books, from the cartoons in 20 years. This is one of the most compelling, interesting Spider-Man stories I've experienced in a long, long time. It's better than the Clone Saga. It's better than all the weird symbiote stuff of the 90s. It's, it's, I would, if this was a comic book series, I would put this up there with the Superior Spider-Man. I would put this up there with the Goblin stuff from the 90s. It's very, very good because it hits what Spider-Man needs to hit and it needs to be personal. Peter Parker's life needs to be terrible. When Peter Parker is doing really well in life, it's less interesting, which is why No Way Home is so compelling to me because Peter Parker's life is in the garbage. His life needs to be terrible. They need to have villains that somehow affect his personal life without them knowing his identity. And this story blows that out of the water. Also, the cast of characters is so good. Great use of Mr. Negative, a relatively unknown, brand hey, new villain. He's only been around 10 years when this game yeah. was made. I never actually heard of him because I wasn't as active in 2007, 2008 in comics. So that was a surprising character to me. But like you said, Doc Ock, everyone knows who knows Spider-Man, what's going to happen with that character, but it didn't make it any less effective because of how they built their relationship up throughout the course of the story. And then the other thing it does so well with the story is it takes the expectations you know about Spider-Man and a lot of it, it flipped upside down. I mean, here's a big spoiler story-wise for anyone who hasn't played this game. Skip ahead 30 seconds. Boop. They actually kill Aunt May at the end, which was yeah. a huge jaw dropper. Good. Because I'll tell you why. Them trying to kill Aunt May 10 or some odd years ago is what kind of screwed up Spider-Man comic books to begin with. And trying to keep her alive with the Mephisto deal, which granted, No Way Home is, is cribbing some of that stuff but they're doing it better i can already tell that they're doing it better because spider-man is trying to change stuff to protect people not to just save aunt may and we love aunt may right aunt may is great but aunt may dying is a, is a big deal and it's a big impact on pete's life and it's so important and it makes such a great moment in the game 
and I love the fact that she knew he was Spider-Man. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. it was so well done. Now, the, I liked some of the smaller moments of the game, Mike, where you are walking around Doc's Ox Lab and going there yeah. a lot. So it just kind of looking at the small details of the game. I liked going to May's clinic that becomes sort of like a second home in this game, just exploring yeah. the clinic. Feast. And yes, yes. And the things some of, I'm going to be a downer here. I didn't always love the Mary Jane levels where I had to kind of sneak around to kind of slowed things pacing wise. And I, I understand you want to change it up. You don't want just Spider-Man fighting and swinging the whole time. And it, it had some story beats, but I thought that sort of changed the, the, yeah, the, the tempo a little bit too much that those those aspects those aspects of the game the miles sections the mary jane sections i understand why they're important for the overall story of the game they do kind of bring it to a screeching halt for a bit but luckily we don't have to worry about that with miles anymore because miles is also spider-man now which is cool and it's a great introduction to that character and his friends and i think that's awesome as well and i just I think that the Spider-Man game is one of the best superhero games ever made. I think it's just, it's, it's up the there best. with- It's the best Spider-Man game ever made, but I think oh, it's one of the best superhero That's what games I'm ever made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's one of the best superhero games ever made. I think it's right up there with Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. And you could tell the combat here was definitely inspired by the combat found in the Arkham games, which of course. I have no problem with that. When something was really effective and really works- Yes, copy it, use it, because we all liked it the first time around. Yeah, exactly. And it works in the superhero context. Like, we know that it works for a superhero He's combat. got a spider sense. Exactly. It, makes, it makes more sense, actually, in a Spider-Man game than it does in a Batman game. You're right. But Batman has that prep time. So, <laughs> um, so you Mike, know. you love the rogues gallery of Spider-Man. This oh. game has so many villains. This game so has nice. Rhino. It has Scorpion. It yeah. has Electro. Yeah. Taskmaster. Tombstone. Doc Ock, obviously, Vulture, Kingpin, and Mr. Negative. And I'm sure I'm missing a few others as well. There's probably some others in there. But what I do love is that how you fight them at the end of the game and how you turn the Sinister Six's powers against each other, just like Spider-Man does in the comic books all the time. That was such so a big really, surprise. Uh, that climax of the game. Oh, it would just, I'm like, oh, what's going to happen here at the end of this game? I'm just going to fight Doc Ock probably. And then the whole thing, the kind of the ape, the outbreak happens. And this is like so cool because you're going from the electro battle and this one, Vulture swooping in. And it's just so cool. And the way they tied it all. It's so ambitious. And it's just like the comic books. Yeah. Spider-Man's having a, a good day or he's having a bad day and he's chasing down. Spider-Man's chasing down Doc Ock because Doc Ock's going to let off some sort of bomb and turn people to octopus. And all of a sudden he's swinging around and the lizard jumps out of the sewer and bites him. That's how Spider-Man's life works. So and it, it was, works perfectly. And this game, I think, was the first time that they 100% nailed every aspect of it. I feel like sometimes they got the swinging right, but the combat didn't feel right. This got the combat. It got the swinging through the city just feels great. His traversal on, on the ground. The game, as you said, it looks spectacular. And then they also got excellent voice acting and cinematic work behind yeah. it. This game is art, artistically beautiful, but also... The cutscenes are really well done. Really well done. Great gadgets, great cast of characters. We can't forget you do fight Shocker early on. I'm pretty sure you fight him in the bank or outside the bank. I, I'm pretty sure you fight the Shocker. Watch, you don't. It's somewhere else, <laughs> but whatever. And, and also it gave us one of the best things to, to be added to the Spider-Man mythos, and that is Spider-Cop, which is lovely. 
and amazing and has shown up in the comic books now. I love when he does that voice and he said yeah. the whole way they did the instead of a radio, they did kind of a podcast type thing as well. Right. So J. Jonah Jameson is Alex Jones. Yeah, really well done. It was and so funny. Laugh out loud funny. His so podcast though. funny. And they've used that version of J. Jonah Jameson in the movies now. So now he's like an Alex Jones Infowars type, which is so good. So good. And then another thing it did, of course, that every game in the last 20 years that is a third person game is they gave you a chart of upgrade abilities and you have to use your tokens and choose which ones you want to upgrade. And it's fine. But at the end, I didn't get to upgrade all of my abilities, even though I 100 percent of the game and I did all the DLC and I, I really enjoyed the DLC doing the whole like great. The, the artwork mystery thing, that whole storyline. was Yeah, that was yeah. really cool with Black Hat. I really enjoyed that. Really good. The, this game is really for not only a Spider-Man fame, just someone who loves great video games, great adventures. This is just a great game. I've had a few, I had a few friends that aren't Spider-Man fans, but they were like, listen, I got a PS4. I got this nice TV. I like the movies. I've watched a couple of the movies and I thought they were fun. Let me get up the game. And I had one friend in particular who bought the game because they bought a high def TV. They bought a PS4 and they were like, Spider-Man looks really cool. Let me check it out. And like nonstop texting me like, this is so good. Oh my gosh. I love these characters. I love these villains. This is so much fun. And then we went to see the movie and it was like, this feels like you're playing, watching the video game. It was beautiful. And it's a great video game with great characters, a great story, great production value. It is a win, 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 win across the board. It's going to be very hard to come close to this. The, the Spider-Man 2, which I'm excited for, is in a rough spot. It's in a tough spot because it's like you got to compete with this. But I have a lot of faith because that Miles Morales game, because it's not DLC, it's its own game. Spider-Man Miles Morales game, which takes place in between Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, showed, showed me that Insomniac could take the formula and mold it and, and meld it to whatever character was in the lead. And the pacing was really good in that game. So I feel mm -hmm. like they might have learned from other areas that didn't work. I, I have total faith in them for Spider-Man 2. I have all the faith in the world. And then they also have a Wolverine game coming out, Mike. Where do you go with that? Oh, oh baby. <laughs> Listen, when that state of play thing came out, I'm like, we're probably going to see something from Spider-Man. It's been too long. The Miles Morales game was like one of the best games of 2020, hands down. I loved it. I played every second of that game. That game was almost too good being that the first one was so good. It's like, how does, how are they going to do it again? And they did it again. And then they showed the Spider-Man two trailer. And I'm like, okay, Spider-Man's got uh, robo legs. All right, let's see where this goes. It's obviously going to diversify the play styles of both characters, which is great. So neither feels too samey. And then like, Right afterward or right before, I didn't watch the show in time. So you're going to have to correct me on that, Matt. They show a Wolverine game made by Insomniac. And I'm like, what are you doing to me, man? Like, you got you to gotta, gotta chill, dude. Pulling on your heartstrings, huh? I know. It's like, it's like, it's my two favorite comic book characters of all time are, are Spider-Man and Wolverine. And the fact that they're going to throw Wolverine at us by the company that made Spider-Man, it's like, 10, 15 years ago, I'd be like, nah, let's see how this turns out. Now it's like, no, this is going to be awesome. The hype level exactly is what, so yeah. high because as we said, 2018 Spider-Man was so good. And I feel like Wolverine, because he doesn't have to traverse and fly, it should be an easier grounded, grounded, easier game to develop. 
So all I have to say is, hey, bub, I'm the best at what I do. And what I do isn't very nice. Is that yes. it? Did I get it right? It's uh, I'm the best there is at what I do. <laughs> what I do isn't very nice. <laughs> I hope that they the 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 fans on the Internet want David Hayter to voice Wolverine. Now, I'm a big Steve Bloom fan. I like this little work Steve Bloom has done for Wolverine. I think the Spike Spiegel with a little gruff works. I'm a big fan, obviously, of 90s X-Men cartoon Wolverine with his like with his voice. But man, if you got if you got Tyler Snake coming in there and and he's doing the voice because it's not going to be different, folks. Just letting you know it's going to be the same voice. It's going to be like, all right, Wolverine, what's going on? Where's Metal Gear? <laughs> and and you're going to get that from Wolverine. I'm OK with it, but I'm so pumped. And I just again, think if we're not getting Spider-Man 2 for a couple, I think they said it's a couple of years away from now. I'd say 2023. Sp- Wolverine is probably 2024, 2025. Oh, Wolverine's nowhere close. That's 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 work that's being worked on by a different team on Insomniac. It's way down the it's way down yeah. in the future, which is fine. Do it's it really fine. Do justice. It's just, but like I said, when Spider Man came out, this was my 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 one thing. If he doesn't have at least 25 to 30 costumes in the Spider Man game, I don't want to play it. Wolverine, same thing. You Throw know, Mike, the ball in your court. I need like at least he doesn't have as many variants as Spider-Man probably, but Wolverine needs at least 15 costumes. I want brown and orange. I want yellow and blue. I want the weird yellow and blue with like the whiskers. I want the uh, I want the, the the Weapon X one with the weird helmet. You need jeans in the white T-shirt. I want you need the jeans the, with the tank the top. Yep. Yeah, I want the jeans in the tank top. I want X-Force Wolverine. I want Astonishing X-Men Wolverine. I want like Ninja Samurai Wolverine. I, I, I want all this stuff. And you have to you have to make sure they do it, Matt. Mike, you know what's funny is you and a couple of my friends that are diehard Spider-Man fans, the low bar for them enjoying a game is how many costumes there are for Spider-Man. And I feel like that's where you're at. <laughs> Dude, they did not put the black costume in the first Spider-Man game. And when I found that out, I'm like, well, he's clearly getting it in the sequel. That's what I said to myself. You I just want so a mad. bag on his head, right? Is that all you want? Is the bag on Spider-Man's head? I, I will take the bombastic bag, man, any day of the week. But I the costumes I used most in that game were Spider-Punk, because obviously my whole life is uh, punk rock. Uh, I, mean, I, I love Spider-Man 2099. I think that's a great costume. I think that looks great. And I really like the Alex Ross-style spider armor where he's got the light up green spider in his chest and he's got like the light up eyes. I think that looks so good on the PlayStation 4 and 5. I think it looks so amazing. It just shines lovely. I hope though, with this Wolverine game, that Insomniac is kind of working on, secretly working on this connected Insomniac Marvel universe without the Avengers because it's been no Avengers characters so far. So maybe they're working on like a Marvel Knights universe. Maybe we'll get a cool Daredevil game. Oh, don't tease me, Mike. I know because like Square, let's Square Enix fumble the Avengers and ruin them. Let's have the New York based characters or oh, like, would, you know, the, give me Luke Cage as well. I'd be oh, all for yeah, it. Baby. That'd be great. So good. Luke Cage. I take Luke Cage, Wolverine, Daredevil, Shang-Chi. Luke Cage and Iron Fist kind of crossovers to whatever. Any of the, the defenders, the heroes for hire, those characters, like bring them in. I, let's get some like street level, not like Spider-Man's ridiculously powerful, but like comparatively like to the Avengers, he's, he's not uh, just depending on who's writing him. But like, yeah, Spider-Man and Wolverine is a great way to start like this kind of grittier kind of street level insomniac universe. I'm totally here for it. Now, Mike, want to ask you, Spider-Man has been out and about the last 
several decades. And he doesn't just appear in his own games. He also likes to jump in because he's he's your neighborhood Spider-Man. So he makes appearances everywhere, whether it's the fighting genre, adventure genre, whatever it is. What are some of your favorite Spider-Man appearances in non-Spidey games? Okay, so before I get to that, I just want to say honorable mention, Spider-Man, the arcade game by Sega is lovely. You should totally play it. It's not easy to find everywhere. It's a really interesting 2D beat-em-up slash like platformer shooter. Check it out. I love that game. It's so good. Uh, I believe that Long Island Retro Gaming has one at the Cradle of Aviation Museum. So if that exhibit's still up, go check it out. My favorite Spider-Man appearances in other things, other games. I would be completely upset with myself if I did not mention all of the Marvel versus Capcom stuff. Obviously, I love that. Marvel versus Capcom. Marvel superheroes on, in the arcade and on like the, the, the Sega Saturn. Marvel superheroes versus Street Fighter. Marvel versus Capcom. Marvel versus Capcom 2. Marvel versus Capcom 3. Marvel versus Capcom Infinite is meh. But outside of those, and obviously, oh, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance, I obviously love those. Outside of those, low-key, my one of my favorite appearances of Spider-Man is something else, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, which, yeah, baby, what a game and what a cameo. You know, that's Activision just flexing, being like, we have Spider-Man right now, we can throw him in here. And it was cool. It was definitely was cool, so cool seeing him appear in, in the game. Absolutely. So yeah, I love, I have a soft spot for the MUA games. It yeah, kind of great. That was a time I was reading a lot of comics and it kind of threw me into yeah. you know, coming off the X-Men legends game. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think there's this Spider-Man Marvel Spider-Man from 2018. If you could play it on the PS4, or even now the improved PS5 remaster, I'd say this game is a must play. And I think it, absolutely deserves a spot in our hall of fame. It now is the most modern game besides final fantasy seven remake. Oh, I think so completely. I'm very, very excited. And, and I'm just pumped. I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped for more of this. Uh, I think it's so good. And I haven't played a lot of video games recently, so I'm excited to get back to it and maybe I'll go back and revisit 2018 Spider-Man. Sounds good. There's never a bad time to replay a game you love. And this game was just a great experience. So I think it definitely has a ton of replay value. Absolutely. So that will close our conversation on 2018 Spider-Man. Mike, have you been playing any video games lately? Not much. I'm still playing a lot of Magic the Gathering Arena. I was playing a little bit of Street Fighter V. Usually when I play games like this, it's when I don't really have a lot of time. So I'll hop in and play a game here or there. I have... I just started dabbling in tales of arise a little bit uh, just because i got it and i was like i might as well just install it and give it a little bit i've probably played for like an hour it feels like a tales game so far it's it's fun i'm enjoying it so far i don't know how frequently i'm going to get back to it but i wanted to give it a little bit of a taste but what about you uh, tales of arise i heard great things about i heard it's actually a more linear experience which is welcoming to hear from me because sometimes i get overwhelmed by these, these massive RPGs. So I haven't played a Tales game in a while. So you'll have to let me know if you keep going on that, how it is. But I've been dabbling more in Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. I, I've been working with, I forget the name now, but the, the, the female protagonist to try and save her brother. We went on a couple of missions together and riding our horses together. I think her name's Yuna, right? I think it's Yuna. I think that is yeah. correct. So I'm still loving how beautiful the world is. I'm getting more accustomed to the combat. And with the upgrades I did, it looks gorgeous on the PS5, on the OLED. It is it is jaw-dropping. So I look forward to playing more of that. And I'm with you. I'm kind of now looking towards the fall and games coming up. So I am now looking forward to what games we are going to get come end of September, 
October, November as the year goes on. A lot of stuff coming out and we will definitely have an eye on that as it does. So I think we'll talk more about those games as we get to them because I'm excited to see what comes out and what I actually finally gets me to break my fast. Totally. Well, Mike, thank you again, as always. Where can people find you out there on the internet? Sure, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore Mike underscore Staub. You can also find me here every single week or every other week based on the schedule at the time at the Hall of Fame podcast featuring video games. You can also find me on two other podcasts that I work on, with one of which is called the How About This podcast, which you can find on Instagram and Facebook at How About This Pod. It's a show where we take something like Spider-Man, which we've already done, and we give a pitch for a new movie, new game, new TV show, something like that. And you could find me on, on and at Long Island Retro Gaming or LI Retro all over the internet where I do their podcast as well. Awesome stuff. As Mike said, guys, we are probably going to be temporarily doing a bi-weekly as we try and catch up between our busy schedules. So please look out on our Instagram and social media page as we keep you guys abreast of our schedule. But thank you guys, as always, do the likes, do the subscribes. Please tell your friends. And thank you guys, as always, for tuning in for the Hall of Fame podcast. And we will see you guys next time. See you next time, spider friends. From Mike and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Game Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time. So I was looking at our previous episodes because today happens to be like the 20th anniversary that GameCube's in Japan or something like that. Yeah, GameCube. Today's the 20th anniversary of GameCube. Yeah, and I was like, I think we've only done Resident Evil 4 is the only GameCube game. And I then I looked at it, I was like, it doesn't have the best library. No. I could actually argue, I know you're not an N64 guy. I could argue it's Nintendo's worst library. It's good third-party support, but maybe their worst showing. GameCube? It's possible. I mean, Sunshine, not the best Mario. Double Dash, I love. It's very divisive. No, I think, I think it's, yeah, but you got... Luigi's Mansion, which, yeah... It's got, like it's, got, it's got Melee, so it's got that going for it. Melee, Metroid Prime. Metroid Prime is a big uh, feather in its cap. Uh, you got Wind Waker, Wind Waker and Twilight I... Princess. But then you have Star Fox Adventures. You got like some bad Star Fox games. F-Zero GX, which I don't know if you've ever played it. It's beautiful, but it's the hardest game I've ever played. It's really good, but it's, it's really It's great. Hard. It's so good. But it's so damn hard. But it's like the hardest thing ever. I was looking at the library. Like Time Splitters is a great game, but like... I don't know. I don't know. The GameCube library, it's if not for third party support, I think it would be a, a you got the Resident slope. Evil, you got the Resident Evil remake, you got Resident yep. Evil 4, Zero. You got, you got Resident yep. Evil Zero, you have yep. uh Beautiful Joe. Beautiful Joe, I love that game. Yeah. Beautiful so Joe's really good. Uh they ported it eventually, but that was a GameCube game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is in the list there. You had uh, Eternal Darkness, which I thought was pretty cool. The remake yeah, people game. love that game. Killer Seven Killer Seven's a weird one. Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes. Yeah, that was a cool remake. That was a cool remake. The Pikmin game started there. Pik- Pikmin 1 and 2 were both I very, still very think good. I would argue N64 over it. I don't know. Nah, N64 is garbage, man. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I will, I'll die on that hill. I know. I know. I actually think, though, I mean, the worst Nintendo console, what's crazy about it is the worst Nintendo console is probably the Wii U. But it actually yeah, I mean, has a yeah. really good. It has a really good first party lineup. It's quality over quantity on if that you wanna, one. If you want to talk about quality, the worst quality in terms of library of video games, it's probably the Wii. 
Oh, definitely. It's shovelware, that system. Yeah, that, 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 that system like sold a lot and has a lot of games, but most of those games are bad. And I think that it's got the two, two of the weaker actual Zelda games. It's mm-hmm. got... I know people really like Galaxy. I like Galaxy 1 and 2 as well. I think they're good, but to it's me it's the most like, linear the most linear games and there's not it's very disjointed all the levels. Yeah, and I'd rather play I'd rather play Odyssey to be perfectly honest with you. I think Odyssey's a better game. Oh, totally. Absolutely. I think Odyssey, Odyssey if if 64 wasn't as groundbreaking and like genre defining as it is, I don't know if I could, could I could easily make an make a case that Odyssey is a better game. I think Galaxy was loved because it followed. It's very polished. It's very clean, and it's on the heels of Sunshine. So it's like compared to that, it looked amazing. Galaxy, it looked yeah, incredible I mean, because yeah, it's and a it was, polished game. It was good. I mean, Sunshine was good, but you don't. I mean, you don't really have a great Metroid game on the. Hold on one second. I like Corruption. Corruption's good. It was too bright. Um, Corruption's really good. I like Metroid Prime I think 3. Metroid Prime 3 and Metroid Other M are really underrated. People hate on them. I oh. love those games. You oh, don't I, like I Other will, M. I, I will trash Other M. The story sucks. If you just skip all the cutscenes, yeah. I, I love the gameplay. Yeah, the gameplay's not bad. I, I, it's, it's Yeah, the story's team terrible. Team Ninja. No, Team Ninja had no idea what they were doing with the story, but I think the gameplay's fun where it switches between like the 2D and then you're like yeah. aiming. I don't know. Yeah, it's not bad, but uh, it's the worst Metroid. Yeah, uh, that's probably the truth. Yeah. I mean, if you're not counting like the weird portable Federation force, if you're uh, counting that, then that's not that. <laughs> Just like I don't count the, when I talk about Zelda's, I don't count the terrible games in the DS. No. I don't, don't count those don't count. and I don't count, what's the other one? Oh, I don't count the CDI game. That's fair. Those are not real video games. <laughs> no, they, no, they're not. I've played them. They're terrible, but no. 